On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell you about moving house and I answer questions on the recession, on imposter syndrome, and on whether my dream girl would want to date me. what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 134 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I need to begin with an apology because there wasn't an episode last week. That is very rare. If you've been here since the beginning or if you've been here for a long time, you'll know that me missing an episode, so not it being a day late or two days late, which has happened maybe 10 times over the years, but actually missing an episode, I think has only ever happened twice. So this would be the third time. And it was just one of those ones where there was logistically and from a schedule point of view, it was just not possible to get an episode like this recorded last week. But then also I didn't want to kind of mess up the flow of dropping a guest episode this week and then the kind of order of things being inverted because as you know, guest episodes are booked quite far in advance and so pushing out that order just complicates my scheduling a little bit. So with all of that said, um, let me first fill you in on where I've been, what's been going on, why I couldn't do an episode last week. I have been helping my mum move house. So there's that. It came about very suddenly and we had to act very fast. And on top of that, my brother, who if you're listening, hello, has just moved to New Zealand. And our move-in date for that house was the exact same date that he happened to leave for New Zealand, right? And so there was the pressure of trying to, in the space of about a week, move everything out of one house, move everything into the other house. Obviously, that's how moving house works. But also, um, I've been back and forth from Corby basically constantly over the last two weeks or so, um, painting this new house, laying flooring in this new house. Uh, I laid something ridiculous like 300 wooden flooring panels um, and caused myself a, an injury in my wrist in the process. That was a lot of hard work. Um, taking apart beds and units and putting them back up and we hired a van. And it was just this absolute crazy week and a bit of entirely decorating a house that was a complete empty shell whilst moving stuff out of one house and into the other whilst trying to still run a business, right? Because these things can't get put on hold. It's not when you run a business, you can't just kind of take annual leave or certainly not in the period of the business where we are here. I can't just opt out of working for 10 days, right? And so admittedly, whilst I hadn't been working as much as I would have otherwise been working in that period, there were still things every single day that would land in my inbox or that were in my calendar that I would need to attend to. And so trying to do all of that, um, whilst being in Corby uh, or in a little town near Corby as it now is, but I will still refer to it as Corby because it just makes it easier, I guess. Um, I just couldn't do it last week. And it was a weird period. It was very stressful. I was incredibly, incredibly sleep deprived by the end of it. Um, to give you an idea of, for example, the mileage that I did over the last 
two and a bit weeks uh, from Wales to Corby, back to Wales, back to Corby, and then probably 20 to 25 trips between Corby and this little town of Rothwell, which is where the new house is. Um, I have put into my car about £420 of petrol over the last two and a half weeks. Oh, and that got me back to Wales last night, which is where I am now. I'm in Wales, obviously. Um, it's been busy. It's been a lot. I've been tired and uh, I slept for like 10 hours last night. I literally got back from my drive to Wales, got into bed, didn't even look at my phone. Just st- I didn't even stick it on charge. Actually, that's a lie. I was going to say I put my phone on charge. I couldn't even be bothered to plug my my phone charger in that I had just brought with me from Corby. I just plunked my phone on the side, got into bed and I slept and I didn't set an alarm and I woke up at maybe half nine this morning. And it's nice to be back. It's nice to be in the office. It's nice for there to be some structure. It's nice to know that everything in Corby is now taken care of, right? The the new house looks really good. It's really suitable for my mum. All of our stuff's in there. It's fairly tidy. I'm not sure if you saw my tweet or my Instagram story, but I think my bedroom that I did looks sick. It was this horrible, green, empty, cold shell a few days earlier. And I'm really happy with what I've turned that into. And then simple things like the internet is finally on there. Managed to persuade our internet service provider to bring forward their next available appointment by a number of weeks to get that going. So it's almost there. And so it's nice to be back in the office, back in Wales and back with the the headspace and also the rest that I needed to, to crack on with focusing on things now. Not least because, of course, as I sit here and record this right now, it is the 1st of September. And I'm not sure if you saw, but I've just put out a, a TikTok and a reel and a short and wherever else these bloody short videos go these days um, about the fact that I think that September the 1st, or if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, September the 2nd, should be a period of your life each year, particularly in your younger years, like I'm in right now, if you want to get ahead in life, right? This might be different if you're retired, because just chill out and do what you want, right? But right now, if you're trying to get ahead in life, this period here from the beginning of September through until kind of the middle of December, or whenever you kind of stop focusing for Christmas and you have some time off and see your friends and family and do all the things that we all do at Christmas, right? This block here should be a period that you treat as like a really important self-development period, right? I called it on the on the TikTok, I called it self-improvement season because that's what I think this is. And I've spoken about this a fair bit in content recently, right? The idea that between September and December, nothing happens anyway, right? So it's not like you have any summer holidays coming up. It's not like you have any big plans because even gigs, right? Touring artists generally don't tour that much between like October and November. That period is kind of off limits. There's literally nothing to do. And then add into that things like the cost of living crisis, right? It's probably a good idea if you can to cut back on the things that you would otherwise spend money on that you don't enjoy that much. I'm not saying don't go to the cinema, but I'm saying if your mates invite you on a night out that will cost you £200 and a taxi home, and you're not really that keen, this period here, particularly this year, is a great time to just say no to that. Plus, it's about to get colder outside. Plus, it's about to get darker outside. Like, it's, it's not that nice a place to be outside in the UK in October or in November, right? Where you wake up and it's dark and you get home from work and it's dark. So all of those things together mean that actually in some ways, the default state, the easiest thing to do is to just focus on your goals, to focus on yourself, right? 
to work your job, if that's what you do, to go to school or uni or college, if that's what you do, to do whatever you have to do in the day that you would otherwise do. But then in those hours and hours that you will win back because you have fewer plans and because less happens at this time of year, to lean into whatever it is that you want to get better at. Because like I said in that post that I did yesterday, people think that January the 1st is the day they're going to change their lives. And I have in some ways fallen into this trap. Like I still think that nice round dates are important. For example, a hundred days into the year, I always think is a great time to review where you're at, but why not the 1st of September? Why not 122 days before January the 1st, right? Because all of the reasons I just gave you explain why now is a really useful, great time to lean into your goals. But here are some reasons why January the 1st probably isn't. You have just come off of a period like January the 1st where you have had no structure, where you've probably eaten too much, you probably drank too much, you probably haven't moved enough, you've probably had no focus on your goals, right? It is a terrible, terrible time. The beginning of January, in the middle of the winter, when it's dark and when it's cold, and when you have had no structure whatsoever for one or two weeks, to then try and get to your absolute peak state of motivation and ability and output, then. So rather than doing it like that and failing a few days in, I think that this period here, and it's how I'm going to be using it, let me know if you are as well, this period here should be a 120-ish day opportunity for you to really get ahead of everybody else around you when it comes to your goals, right? Whether it is people in your company vying for the same promotion that you might get next year, or if you run a business, whether it's your competitors who are going to be slowing down at this time of the year, whatever it might be, whoever you are, whatever your goals are, the people around you aren't going to be focusing right now. Everybody's on this slow slump towards Christmas, right? In a minute, there will be Halloween stuff in the shops and then it will be bonfire night and then it'll be Christmas. And people are going to very quickly give up on the goals that they have for this year. It's too late in the day, they will say. It's too far gone. That ship has sailed. Why focus on this year's goals? Why not just become a bit lax? Why not stop trying? Why not just give up and begin again in 122 days on January the 1st? And the reason that you shouldn't is because they will, right? Progress is relative. You are measured in no matter what you do relative to everybody else around you, right? And it's it's popular these days to say, oh, it's okay. I don't really care about other people. I'm just focusing on myself. But the world measures you against other people, right? If you look at the greatest, I don't know, footballer in the world, whoever you think that is, they're only the greatest because somebody came second. And that person only came second because the next became third and so on, right? Whatever it is that you want to do, you are either explicitly or implicitly competing with those around you, competing for the same money, for the same opportunities, for the same time with people, whatever it might be. And so if you consider that whilst focusing on yourself in this period, I think that's a great excuse and a great way to push yourself forward before the end of the year in a time when nobody else will be. Now, I've picked up my phone because I have some questions to answer. If you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen over the last week or so because I knew that this episode was coming. And because, to be honest, not a lot has happened other than painting some walls and laying a floor. Uh, I thought that I would give myself the easy option of answering some questions. So 12 have come in. Thank you. If you did answer a question, I am just going to start picking at them. I'm not sure if I'll get through all 12. I'll give it my best shot. Uh, but here we go. So the first question is from Kevin. Uh, Kevin said, great episode last week with Tiago. 
shows how long I've been meaning to do this for. That was two weeks ago now. Great episode last week with Tiago. What did you find most interesting or eye-opening from the conversation? Now, firstly, if you haven't already listened to that conversation, I highly recommend you do. Tiago Forte, founder of Forte Labs, author of Building a Second Brain, a hugely intelligent person, somebody who has created what seems like the most actionable and comprehensive way to store and make use of knowledge, right? Which is essentially the key to unlocking whatever you want in life. It was incredible to sit down with Tiago. I learned a lot from reading his book in anticipation for that conversation. I also learned a lot from that conversation. But to answer Kevin's question, and this might seem like an unusual answer, what I actually learned was from that little breaking of the fourth wall that Tiago did about halfway through the episode, right? So he has something ridiculous, like 100,000 Twitter followers, and all of those people don't follow him because of his you know, six-pack abs. They don't follow him because of his wacky posts that he puts on Instagram or his crazy, hilarious content on YouTube. They follow him because of his thoughts, right? They follow him because he is a uh, an incredibly well-versed authority in a very specific niche of knowledge management, right? And so you would assume that this person who is held on a pedestal and idolized and looked up to and whose system informs the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, you would think that he has his shit together, right? And although he didn't use the phrase, have his shit together, I'm sure he will forgive me for saying that he essentially implied that, you know, if you were to, if you were to follow him around for a day, and look over his shoulder and see what he's doing, you would realize that he, though he's idolized, though he has this system, for the majority of the time, in the majority of ways, he is no different to you or I, right? And the reason that's so empowering is because, and I think I've spoken about this before, I've certainly recorded a TikTok on it, I don't think it ever went out, but I've definitely spoken about this idea before, that your idols, the people that you think are different to you, are actually no different to you, right? They've either just been a bit more consistent or they've been at it for a bit longer. They just happen to be further ahead of you in some way, right? But for the majority of things, everybody around you, better, worse, the same, however you measure it, they are the same as you with the same downfalls and the same inadequacies and the same insecurities and all of these things. And to hear somebody like Tiago, who is literally in a niche famous for being productive, famous for being able to focus and all these things, say, he is just as bad, for one of a better phrase, as everybody else, right? He said that, um, he said his wife tweeted that now that she has seen him in real life relative to his uh, persona online, she no longer trusts any thought leader, right? Uh, and I kind of try and break the fourth wall of this because I realize that although it's a very, very, very small number relative to those who follow somebody like Tiago, I get messages from this podcast and I get messages from my content and I get questions who, from people who seem to believe that in some way I have my shit together more than they do, that I know what I'm doing more than they do. And the truth is, I don't. And I don't, right? None of us do. We are all literally the same, but it's so easy. And I imagine it's even easier if you don't actually produce content, so you don't see behind the scenes, but it's so easy when you view content, when you look at the posts or the videos or the podcasts or whatever it might be of somebody who you think is doing well, to believe that they are better than you, that they are built differently than you, and therefore that you can never get to that point. You can never do what they're doing, so you may as well just give up, right? And I find myself in that trap a lot because although I'm young and I'm just starting out on this journey relative to lots of other people, I still look at people further ahead of me and I think, man, there's, there's no way I can get 
a business of that size. There's no way I can have that many subscribers or any of these kind of arbitrary success measurements, right? I still look at them occasionally, but it's so important to remember, like Tiago says, that actually even people like him who seem to have it all together don't. They're the same as you. They're the same as me. That's really empowering. The next question is from Peter Watson. Peter said, how are you playing this recession? So that's a good question. Uh, That question would have come in a few days after the Bank of England's projections of the UK will this year slip into recession and will remain there for, I believe, five consecutive quarters. So the the TLDR of that is that shit is about to be messy in the economy. Uh, Let me give you two answers to this, right? Because from a business perspective, I think our plan is very simple. It's very clear cut, right? And it is Although I've never ran a business for a recession, if you look at the, the kind of research and the anecdotal evidence, this is the way to play a recession, right? You need to make sure that your product or your service is as strong and as good and as high value as it possibly can be. Now, that doesn't mean cutting prices. That means making sure that you're delivering and over-delivering. That makes sure, that means sure, sorry, that means making sure, particularly in a service-based business like ours, that processes are sharp and objectives are met and that you do what you say you're going to do. But then on top of that, it's about relationships, right? Business is transactional by definition, but it is far easier to build a good relationship with a person and then on the back of that work together in a more solid way than it is to keep it transactional, right? I remember I met with Katty. Uh, who now works on Third Web, but at the time he was just about to leave as a US creative director of Social Chain. And he was telling me a little bit about the the inner workings of Social Chain as an agency, because of course that's something that I was very interested in because we're an agency who aren't the size of Social Chain. Social Chain are an agency who are the size of Social Chain. So he had these kind of big agency lessons to give me. And I, I always remember that he said that essentially the the key component, the biggest factor in his opinion, if I'm remembering this correctly, of social change growth was incredible account management, right? It wasn't, although I'm sure their work is, was effective. I don't know what they're doing as a company these days. It wasn't the work. It wasn't the results. It was making sure that on a human to human level, uh, all of their clients felt informed and in the loop and looked after and respected and all of these things. And I mean, that stuck with me prior to this period is absolutely going to stick with me now because I've never run a business for a recession. You know, we had COVID, but there was lots of government support there. So in some ways, actually, as business owners, we were given a favor in as much as there was lots of cash flowing around. People were making decisions. Everything was quite easy after the first few weeks. This is going to be a long and drawn out period of stagflation, right? Inflation is going to run at, if you believe the Citigroup research, 18.3%, I believe it is. And we're going to be in a recession for almost a year and a half, right? This is going to be a tough time in the economy, but you can only do your best. And I think that your best, for the most part, unless you're a products business that relies on supply chains and all of these things that are literally out of your control, particularly right now, if you're a service-based business, your best is within your control, right? Your service output is within your control. Your knowledge and how much you choose to progress your, your team and the insights and the research and the strategy is in your control. The relationships you build with your customers or your clients is in your control. Now, you know, I might look back on this in a year and be like, man, that's embarrassing because the recession wiped us out, but I don't foresee that happening. 
because we're focusing on the basics. We're focusing on the, the fundamentals of good business on a business side and the fundamentals of good marketing on a client delivery side. And I think that that will mean that we're okay. We've actually had a very good couple of weeks when it comes to signing and closing clients recently. I hope that continues. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out, but that is my, or rather our perspective as a business. That is my perspective on behalf of our business. I don't speak for Pato when I say any of that. Um, But then from me personally, and I've been doing this for a while now, like there's a tweet of mine from like the 4th of January or something where I, I replied to, I believe it was Mark Rofe, and I, I referenced the, the cost of living crisis. And of course, this was prior to Ukraine and the energy prices and all of these things. But because of COVID and because of supply chains and because of inflation creeping into the system, this was always going to be the case in some way anyway, that this year and next year was going to be tough. And so I've just been trying to spend less money, right? Because I'm fairly minimalistic in my approach to life anyway. I don't spend that much money. But I recognize that, particularly in a period like this, having the cash to not have to worry is basically the biggest major key there is, right? Because if you have enough money, and I'm not talking crazy amounts of money, right? You just need to do the calculations of what you need in your bank to make sure that if something were to go wrong or if things were to slow down or if maybe something even outside of the economy, right? If something were to happen in your life that means that you had to pull back or refocus can you survive for a period of time, whatever period you need to feel comfortable? And if you can do that, if you can get that cash together, not only does that just make your life less potentially miserable, obviously, but it gives you the mental clarity. It gives you the mental clarity to know that you're going to be okay because even if the absolute worst case happens to you, you have that fallback, right? And you may need to build that fallback. I think that given that inflation is going to peak in January, according to the predictions, given that the recession won't be called for, what is it, another two months or so before it is a technical recession, two quarters of GDP decline. Um, and given that the, the kind of Christmas economy will push many people through, you have time to do your absolute best to get as much cash as possible through either earning more, which is easier said than done for a lot of people. I appreciate that. Or, crucially, spending less if you can. And again, I appreciate that that's not always possible, particularly with inflation and all the bills going up. But my point is, my personal philosophy towards this is that if for the next year and a half, I need to live slightly less comfortably. I need to be slightly less frivolous with money. I need to save slightly more. I need to watch those pennies that bit more to make sure that I know where my money is actually going and I'm actually having some sort of discernment towards whether or not I should be subscribing to this thing or having this thing go out of my bank or buying this thing, right? That is essentially, I think, all I can do because, I mean, earning potential isn't capped, but earning potential is slow, right? Earning potential is a lagging measure of the things you do today. They may catch up in three months, six months, a year, two years, depending on what skill it is you're learning or what kind of steps you're taking or whether you're closing clients. But what you can control more immediately is your outgoings. And so that is my personal, not financial advice approach to this recession. Um, Romeo Griever asked, why don't you start trading? I mean, Forex trading, because I have no fucking idea about Forex trading. That's why. Um, I know Peter had me buy some Bitcoin through his compelling sales pitch in the past. And actually I did okay. I basically doubled my money and happened by chance to sell out very close towards that $64,000 
top point, right? I did okay with Bitcoin by luck, by nothing else. Um, but I don't understand Forex, right? I know the pound is at a record low today since 2016. I know that because we had to quote a client in the US and decide whether to quote it in USD or pounds. I know that the, uh, the euro and the dollar are basically level pegging right now. That is all I know about foreign currency exchange. I have no desire to learn more about it. I don't think that learning Forex right now with everything I have going on in life is the best use of my time, is the best potential upside of any money I do have, money that I put into things. It's just not something that I'm interested in. The same goes with stocks and shares. I currently hold no shares in any um, business. I have no Bitcoin. I have no crypto. I have no NFTs. I have no foreign currency. I have nothing. So there we go. Shannon asked, when are you coming to the tune? And I believe by the tune, she means Sunderland or Newcastle, which is where she lives. Funnily enough, in November, I am in South Shields, which is near Newcastle, I believe, because I am going to have a conversation for this podcast with Paul Mort, author of Paul Mort Will Save Your Life. I believe that's what his book's called. And just all round, very interesting guy of the internet. Um, he has invited me up to South Shields to record in their studio, which is very exciting. So in November, that is when I'll be in tune and I'll probably pop across and see the two or three people I know in Sunderland and Newcastle whilst I'm there and make a little week out of it. Um, David McIntosh has given me three absolute bangers of questions. Uh, if you haven't already, by the way, go and listen to David's podcast, the Development by David podcast. Um, I speak about him a lot on here. It's a great podcast. He's a great guy. Definitely go and listen to it. So he says, what is a recent goal you've ticked off and what was the main driver that allowed it? God. I wish I didn't read that one out loud straight away because I don't know an answer to that yet. And this could be an awkward 60 seconds of me thinking out loud. What is a goal that I have ticked off? You know what, actually? I was thinking business. I was thinking money moves. But actually, let's talk for a moment about that house that my mum just moved into. because. I won't go into any details as to why she needed to move, but there was a, a health-related reason why she just couldn't remain in the house that she was currently in. Um, and in order to secure the house that she's moved into and make the move happen as quickly as it did and take care of everything that I've taken care of over the last two weeks whilst trying to not let the ball drop on too many things. Admittedly, I didn't do the podcast. Admittedly, I didn't produce my like personal Sean content online. But for the most part... Life continued as normal. For the most part, the business was operational and I was able to dip in and out of the meetings that I needed to be in whilst making that move happen, whilst kind of pulling on the most ridiculous levers to get it done in the time frame that we had. To make sure that right now, as I sit here and record this, my mum is in a house which is far more suitable for her needs, right? A, a place where she will be far more comfortable and be able to live a far better life. I've never really looked at something like that as a, a goal that I've ticked off because it's never been on my goals list, right? When I sat in Dublin in that hotel back in December, I mean, the, the need for this house wasn't even on the horizon then. So in, in some sense, it wasn't a goal, but in other senses, as I think about it, as I desperately try and find an answer, um, that was a goal. And it's a goal that I was driven towards because it was needed, right? It was a, a goal that was arrived at through necessity. And necessity makes you find willpower. Necessity makes you find 
push that you didn't know you had in you, right? I was literally running for a good few nights last week on three to four hours sleep. Um, half because I needed to on some days, half because I just couldn't sleep. I think it was a mix between too much caffeine and stress and trying to sleep in a new place. Um, yeah, I suppose that's a goal. And the driver was necessity. Um, and then Hallie asked the same question, actually, what is the biggest goal you've achieved this year so far? To be honest, there's been a lot of good moments this year. I'm not sure that the house move was necessarily the biggest achievement per se, but like the, the business is doing well. Uh, we're in a tough patch as I've just spoken about, and yet we are growing, we're growing our client base and our revenues. And also we're getting better at what we do, right? This is the thing about a service delivery business. Every single day is iterative. You learn one thing for one client through a kind of A-B test, and then you can deploy that across all of your clients, right? Your your entire service offering gets better because it gets better. Every time you learn something, you can implement it for others, which teaches you new things. So as a business, we're doing well this year. The podcast so far this year has been a real step change. I've said this a lot recently, particularly in the last solo episode when I had that mini content-related identity crisis, as I called it. Um, there's lots with this podcast I'm not happy about. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that the uh, purple background is gone. I think I'm going to do without the purple background because it's just a lot of effort to set up and it's harder to light. So hopefully this looks better. But yeah, the podcast is doing well this year. It will do better next year because I've learned a lot. Um, I think in a way, my biggest collective achievement that I can point to this year is the rate at which I have learned, right? Whether it is business or the podcast or learning about myself and my abilities and what I really can do and kind of pulling apart of thoughts to understand myself better. There was a good period during COVID times where I just didn't really progress. I didn't really learn. I didn't really change as a person. Maybe even before then, maybe since I started this podcast, there have been periods, right? There have been little tests that I've done, but I feel like for the two or so years at the beginning of this podcast, I didn't really push myself. It wasn't that kind of 2017, 2018 growth that I had where I literally kind of reinvented who I was as a person and started from the ground up to, to become the person I want to be. It wasn't that level of growth. And yet I think this year, just because the momentum has been there, the curiosity has been there, I've just been getting a lot done. And there have been little bumps in the road where I just can't be bothered or feel like it's not going well. They will always exist. But when I zoom out, and I think that this is something that will happen in about 100 days when I'm in Dublin, 110 days, whatever it is, I will probably zoom out and look at this year. And the biggest takeaway that I will bring with me into 2023 is that this year was really a good foundation setting year, which <laughs> I laugh because I've said that for so many years in a row, but that's just how I'm playing life right now. I'm not trying to cash out in any sense, in any respect. I don't feel like my time is running out. I don't feel like this is the year that I need to do this thing, or this is the year where it's make or break, or if I don't make X thing happen this year, it's over, right? I will just continue for as long as I feel able to, to lay foundations, to take one step after another. And it sets you up. It gives you a good year. Um, this is a really interesting one from David. So it also kind of relates to one that Hallie asked. So Hallie said, how was Tinder? Because one of my recommended questions when I put this on my story the other night was, 
asked me how my tindering's going. Uh, and David, perhaps more profoundly, asked, are you the person your dream girl would want to date? David, you're killing me with these questions. They are intense. Um, how's tindering going? To be honest, I haven't really been on Tinder a lot in the last one month we in, last three months. I had that very intense period after I read How Not to Die Alone, after I read uh, Sorry I'm Late, I Don't Want to Come. I kind of leaned into that, went on lots of Tinder dates, met some people. I've just been busy recently, to be honest, and to get, as if I'm about to use a technical business term about dating, but like to get Tinder matches over the line of like, right, let's actually meet, let's have a chat, let's do whatever. Um, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of talking, right? And I just haven't really had the time to be doing any of that recently, so I haven't. Um, so tindering itself isn't going amazingly well right now because I'm not doing it. Am I the kind of person my dream girl would want to date to ask answer, sorry, David's question? I think in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. And this will be a very revealing answer, I think. Um, so let's start with yes, right? I think that if I, if I look outwards at what I look for in other people, right, it is things like an ambition to be better. It is a certainty of who they are as a person. It is a kind of curiosity of the world, which, which informs how you see other people and how you want to approach your own life and all of these things that are quite intrinsic and internal, right? And so I think that if that's what I look for in other people, in theory, that's what somebody would find attractive in me because for all of my downfalls, I think that they are things which I have got better at over the years, right? I think that I am a fairly reliable person. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. When I say I'm going to be somewhere, I be there. I think that I am, this sounds like a fucking speed date, doesn't it? I, I think that I am um, fairly emotionally intelligent. I think that I, I have the ability to understand when somebody is feeling a certain way so that they don't need to proactively begin a conversation. I can almost sense it in some ways. And also, I think that through even things that seem really unrelated, like my dad's illness and having to approach conversations very carefully to understand um, or rather to to unlock conversations without kind of bowling into them and making people feel uncomfortable. I think all of those traits that life has so far taught me, I think, and I could be wrong, make me somebody that that would be attractive to that dream sorry to that dream girl however there are also and i say this with such self-awareness because this has played out many times over the years there are also things that make me incredibly hard to date right because i'm fucking busy and although a few weeks ago i said oh i use busyness as an excuse that's true in the beginning but when i'm really talking to someone there genuinely are days and even weeks where I just don't really get around to replying. And that's not fair. And like, I would not want that for me. So how can I expect somebody else to just kind of put their life on hold for four days while Sean does that work thing, right? And also I fill a lot of my spare time with stuff like this podcast, like producing content, like reading and understanding things. And again, that might be a good trait, depending on whether or not the, the particular person likes that. But generally, it means I have less spare time. And I often feel, I don't want to say guilty, but I feel uncomfortable often with doing nothing with my time. And so it's a tough one, 
because I think that I am more dateable, if that's a word, than I was maybe two years ago, maybe even a year ago. Um, Because I think a lot of this comes down to self-awareness and understanding what you can and what you can't compromise on. Um, Do I think that I am able to attract that dream person? I really don't know, right? (laughs) This is funny. There is a Maisie Peters song, which I never thought I'd be quoting on this podcast. Um, So she is a singer-songwriter who me and Chloe went to see maybe three and a half years ago, and then she supported Ed Sheeran on uh, on the tour he's currently on right now, actually. So I've seen her twice recently, once at the Principality in Cardiff and once at Wembley. And in anticipation of the Wembley show, because I didn't know any of her songs when she played Cardiff, I listened to her songs a little bit and she has a song on there, the name of which I can't remember, but it's essentially like a sad girl crying uh, pop song, which I love. Um, And the lyric is, if you don't want me, then you're not the one, right? And I think the reason that resonates is over the years, I've found myself in a good handful of situations where I'm like, no, this person's definitely the one. Oh my God, I just need to wait. Oh, it'll be okay. It's fine. We'll work it out. But they're not the one, right? That person is not the person for you if they don't want you. And I don't mean that in like a a kind of an accusation or aggressive way. I just mean that, think about it, right? If there's somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with, the, the beginning period shouldn't be a battle. You shouldn't feel like you're having to fight to get this person's attention or compete with somebody else or hope that they change, whatever it might be, right? If you don't want me, then you're not the one. Makes perfect sense in this context because to answer David's question, do I think I can attract the one? Yes, because by virtue of the fact that we would vibe, for want of a better word, that would tell me that they are the one. If it didn't feel right, it wouldn't be right. At least that's my belief. What else have we got here? Uh, I'll do a couple more because I feel like this is running quite long. Um, Where are we? I'll do one more from Will. So Will said, how did you overcome imposter syndrome if you suffered it? Uh, Will phoned me the other day. (laughs) I gave him my number because we were chatting, uh, but he didn't phone straight away. And so I didn't save his number. And there I was driving down the road, just about to go into an appointment at Ford. And this random number phoned me and I'm like, oh God, I hate, I hate answering the phone to unknown numbers. But I answered the phone and he's like, hey mate, it's Will. And for a good 10 seconds, my mind was absolutely racing. I'm thinking, fuck, this person has my number and they're just chatting and telling me their name, which means there must be a client somewhere or there must be like a point of contact at a client called Will who's phoning me to talk about work whilst I'm driving down the road. And I can't think who Will is and that. But it was okay. I realized it was Will from Instagram, whose username is Will from China, who is about to launch his own podcast. And I can guarantee, though I haven't heard it, that it's going to be exceptional because he is a really interesting mind and he is incredibly articulate in the way that he shares his thoughts. So when that is launched, I'm going to tell you about it. But in the meantime, how did I overcome imposter syndrome? I mean, I still get it. I think everyone gets it right. Imposter syndrome is essentially the the manifestation of you feeling as though you're going into a new situation because an imposter is essentially somebody who, I know you know this, but I'm thinking out loud here, an imposter is essentially somebody who goes into a uh, a setting that they shouldn't be in, right? And every single time you go into a setting for the first time, every single time you will feel like an imposter, right? I'm not sure if you can cast your mind back far enough to remember your first day in, I don't know, primary school. 
year one, whatever, right? Although every single person in there was in the exact same position, every single person in that room, all of those strangers sat around you. They had never been to school before, nor had you. And yet you probably felt like you lacked confidence, like you were the imposter, like you were the different one. But what you didn't know is that everybody around you felt the same. Everybody around you also felt like an imposter because in a way they were an imposter. They were imposing themselves into a situation that they weren't yet familiar with, that they didn't yet really belong in, right? It was day one. They didn't know what was happening. And when you're in year one, you can't sense it. But when you look back now on that perspective, you were like, yeah, of course, that makes sense, right? It was my first day. I didn't realize everyone else was feeling the same. Kind of makes sense. But then if you go to a job interview, right, you might think that you don't belong there because you've never done this job before. But think about everybody else turning up to that job interview. By the fact that they're going to a job interview for that position means that they've never had that job in that company, in that role before. They are all in some way imposters, right? The first time you get on stage to speak, maybe the 10th time you get on stage to speak because the audience is different. The the context has shifted slightly. You might feel like you don't belong there. You might feel like you're faking it on that stage because in some ways, again, you are, right? <laughs> you're literally in a position that you haven't been before and you feel as though you shouldn't be there because you haven't done it before. And so you don't know how this works. And we as humans, we hate uncertainty. And so I think that the only way to overcome imposter syndrome, the only way to build real confidence, as I speak about so much on this podcast, is to do it over and over and over again. The other day, by chance, I hit play on episode one of this podcast just to see what it was like. And it was fucking dreadful. (laughs) It was terrible. I sit in this exact spot where I am right now and I say something like, right, I'm just going to get started because if if I don't, then I'll, I'll, I'll never get started. I sound terrible. I sound distant. I sound petrified. I don't know what's going on. I felt like an imposter and it's because I was one, right? I had never done that before. I had no right to hit play or rather hit record on that microphone. 134 weeks in, this feels completely normal. I have no issue doing this because I have earned the right to not feel like an imposter. I have pushed through the discomfort to build the confidence, to build the ability and to have the case study and the proof in my mind that this is something that I can do, right? And I truly believe other than maybe very exceptional edge cases who are just good at everything or who just have their brain wired in a certain way where they don't feel like an imposter ever. All of us do for good reason feel like we don't belong in places the first time or the second time or the sixth time we do something. But the only way you get over that, the only way you begin to feel like you belong is to act like somebody who does belong. And what does somebody who does belong do? Well, they go and do the thing over and over again. And so I guess When I look at anything in my life, whether it's this podcast, whether it's client meetings, client meetings used to fucking terrify me, right? When I was like 21 and looked about 15 and I would be going into boardrooms with grown adults who knew their shit, I was genuinely terrified. And yet now you can put me into any meeting with anybody. And because I know what I know, because I have my little circle of competence and because I'm all right at communicating. I'm not phased. Really doesn't matter who it is. However, I only got there by doing the thing, right? I literally changed my uh <laughs> I changed my phone background today to just say do the thing because this is something I keep coming back to over and over again in life, which is whether it is trying to achieve a big goal, trying to feel like you belong, trying to overcome some discomfort, 
whatever it is, doing the thing, whatever the thing is, doing the thing is the only way to get there, right? Doing the thing is the only way to become the person you want to be, to to get the boyfriend or girlfriend you want, to find the job you want, to grow the business you want, to get the body you want, to learn the thing you want. You have to do the thing. And so that's there as a reminder for two things. Number one, just generally, when I look down at my phone, by definition, I'm not doing the fucking thing, right? I'm distracting myself. So it's there, number one, to be like, go do the thing. Stop, stop looking at me, go do the thing. But secondly, because there are going to be moments just before I step into a meeting or before a life event occurs or where I have some kind of trepidation towards something where I will look down at my phone and it will remind me that this thing here is going to be uncomfortable or this thing here is going to be upsetting or whatever it might be. But you have to do the thing because everything sits on the other side of doing the thing. I think that's a good place to finish. My voice is really going. How long have we been going? About 44 minutes. It feels longer than that. My God. But listen, thank you as always for listening. Uh, next week, you're going to hear my long overdue conversation with Natasha Tarran, author of The Payoff. Great conversation. We kind of spoke about payments. We kind of spoke about other stuff. It was just a nice chat for an hour. I really enjoyed that one. I think you will do as well. But in the meantime, thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a really good week. And I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 135 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.